Hi, this is Bobby Kamari, and I want to thank you for listening to season two of the Living in Light podcast, where the whole season is going to be dedicated to the fabulous topic of sacred sexuality. I hope it blesses your socks off. So I am so excited to have an amazing couple on today's podcast who are super, super, super precious to me. I've got Bianca, who's my best friend, and her amazing hubby, Kenny, who's also super close to my heart. Um, And I have actually spoken to both of them about sexuality and intimacy so much in the past. Um, We often have really long chats just about life. And so I'm excited to be able to speak to them today. Um, There's so many different things that I want to touch on, which is why I'm excited about this conversation. So like their own relationship and their own journey, um, what it's like for them as parents to raise two daughters who happen to also be my goddaughters. And also the fact that as a couple, they do actually counsel young couples as well. And because we've just had the podcast on dating and sexuality, I thought that this would be an amazing follow on to hear more about things that you need to think about when it comes to dating and sexuality but that's not the only thing that we're going to talk about so I know you guys are going to be super blessed so let me say hello to Kenny and Bianca hi Bob hey Bobby (laughs) so awesome to be on this and to be chatting kind of like doing our usual chats but you know recorded exactly (laughs) I know I know this is so cool thank you so much for giving me your time both of you um why don't you guys begin by just saying a little bit about who you are and what you do. Um, and Ken's, let me get you to begin. Yeah, sure. Thanks again, Bobby, for the introduction. Um, and so, yeah, so um, where to start? So, yeah, Kenny, I am Bianca's husband, as you all know, and um, father of our two lovely daughters, Ava and Leora. Um, and we both married... 10 years now um, and have been together for 12 years um, and I guess work-wise I, I work at a tech uh, games technology company as a head of leadership development so I do a lot of um, training a lot of coaching I have a private sort of coaching practice where I work with people so one-to-one um, and I also lead on our diversity and inclusion and belonging um, strategy at work so everything to do with, you know, helping people feel psychologically safe, feel like they belong in the workplace. Um, uh, started out my career in a sixth form college, working, um, teaching things like RE, critical thinking, creative arts and things like that. Um, and then kind of beyond that, uh, worship leader, um, sometimes will speak at church um, on a Sunday and uh, currently hoping to release a worship album within the next year, um, post, post lockdown. So yeah, I guess that's, that's a bit, bit of me in a summary, really. Amazing. Amazing. And that's just the tip of the iceberg, Kenny, because you carry so, so, so much. In fact, you and Bianca both do as a couple. Oh, thanks, Bobby. <laughs> B. Yep. So, um, Bianca, um, I, from a work perspective, um, I am a creative, I'm a singer-songwriter, um, so I spend a lot of my time making music, um, writing, recording, touring, releasing, all the things that go with that. Um, and I'd say I'm a creative in general, you know, um, I love all the disciplines in to different degrees and love a bit of creative direction. We've worked together, Bobby, on different things. And it's, it's always like our place of joy when mm-hmm. we're doing something creative together. Yeah. Um, and I am obviously um, mum to Ava and Leora. And that's like an ever-increasing joy, actually, as they, they're five and seven now. So um, it's a really fun time. Like, we just have really great chats and they're funny. Mm. And I'm learning a lot from them and... We're just, you know, it's just a good time. I think the younger years were um, fun in a different way, but they were um, harder for me. But I think as they are getting older, I'm just feeling a little bit of a sweet spot with parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, I work for a church, um, help with accounts and 
and um, things like that. And I also run um, a startup business um, called I Am Independent, where I help um, artists, um, musical artists, um, to grow and thrive and share information. And yeah, we're active in our church, and we we are we head up the pre-marriage counsellors um, and we um, counsel couples and that's like something that we're really enjoying because we get to do it together um, and we don't haven't had many ventures where we're doing it together like that so that's kind of been a place where we've enjoyed ourselves yep. Kim, we've been enjoying ourselves Kenny and I yeah that's so good because I actually did want to ask about that because I remember us talking and you sharing that it was something that you two, you know, had tapped in together as a couple and that actually is a real place of like flourishing. So I love that you've mentioned that, but I do want to backtrack because the intro song and the outro song for these podcasts, You're Beautiful, which I could have on repeat day and night, is basically Bianca. So every single time you are listening to these podcasts, it's her sweet, beautiful voice that you guys hear. And I actually do love being creative with Bianca. We've had so many creative adventures. And again, as a couple, both of them, oh my gosh, they carry so much. And we've only just seen glimpses of it yet, even though we hear all this stuff that you both are doing and you carry. But honestly, I feel like it's literally just the tip of the iceberg. And then you've got Ava and Leora, who are also just so incredible so let's kick off then. I've spoken to you both about this before, um, but it would be amazing just to hear from you in regards to your upbringing when it comes to intimacy and sexuality. So how was it for you, Bianca, being raised the way that you were? What was your understanding of intimacy and sexuality, maybe in your teenage years or as a young adult, um, or even as a child, unpack that for me a little bit. And then I'd love to hear from you as well, Kenny. Yeah, um, so I had a really tricky childhood. I grew up with my my mum, and she just had a really tough life. She made a lot of difficult decisions. And um, I'd say like that parenting um, wasn't necessarily the priority for her, even though she had five children. So um, that had a knock-on effect um, obviously on on us as kids and so when it comes to intimacy and connection um I think that wasn't a healthy environment mm -hmm. for that sort of thing to flourish yeah and so um I didn't necessarily grow up with that nurturing um connection with um a mother or a father yeah so um I don't think I knew what that was and I think um I know that I struggled with um, even communicating with like adults and things like that. I always felt a, a maybe a disconnect and or kind of even afraid in a way, not knowing. I wasn't comfortable, you know. Mm. Um, I, I look at my kids and they're they're comfortable with adults and asking questions and you know wanting to play with people and telling jokes and stuff like that. And I didn't have that. And mm -hmm. um, it's hard to connect because I just didn't had the experience I suppose um mm. and and it was quite a hard environment my mum was kind of quite a hard person um character wise so intimacy and connection wasn't wasn't something that I was able to sort of um grow in and I think I probably started growing in that in my 20s you know um through friendships um all the wrong sorts of relationships and then actually in marriage and that's something you know in the last 10 years that I, I feel feel like the journey has really um I've really grown into that journey and I'll say sort of sexual intimacy um I think again um I always remember that for a long time I, I, I was convinced I must be ugly you know even I remember being like 15 16 like looking in the mirror maybe a bit younger like early teens and going and just quite pragmatically going oh I must be I don't think I'm ugly because when I look in the mirror, I don't see ugly, but I must be because no one has ever said anything. Has never said that I'm pretty or beautiful or or even commented um, on my outward appearance. So I just got this message that I must be really um, uh, undesirable. Not, <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. undesirable. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and then 
unfortunately, the first sort of positive affirmation mm. in that regard came, I suppose, when I was around 16 from some guy who just wanted all the wrong things from me, you know. And so I think that sort of experience shaped me. And then I um, had a serious um, relationship quite early on when I was about 17, 18. And it was a serious relationship, but it wasn't the easiest relationship. So I think um, those experiences shaped my my sexual intimacy in the wrong ways. Yeah. Um, in the ways that were helpful for my heart as well as... Um, you know, my mind um, and my perception of myself. So um, those are my early experiences, I'd say. Gosh, I, I didn't know that, babes. Like, I kind of know that, but I didn't know the bit about at the age of 16, I guess really the first person who ended up giving you attention you responded to, because that is exactly what happens when we're starved of affirmation and we're starved of that validation, then we end up really just responding to whoever does end up giving us that kind of validation. And especially with girls when they're growing up and if they've been deprived of that kind of affirmation in the home, that's definitely what happened to me. So yeah, like I didn't know that about your personal experiences. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Mm. We talk about so much, babes, but um, there's always more to know. Oh, darling, we'll have to do a part two and part three and part four. (laughs) Um, Kenny? Yeah, so I was thinking about this as as Bianca was talking and I was thinking... So you weren't listening? (laughs) Well, I I managed to do both both at the same time. But um, um, I think think it's quite similar, to be honest, in, in, in some ways. So I guess to give people a little bit of context, people that are listening is, you know, so I grew up in, uh, um, so my parents came from Nigeria probably in the, in the late 70s. Um, and so when, when you think of intimacy, you know, stereotypically you don't think of, mm-hmm. um, particularly West African parents, yeah. I, I don't want to paint the whole of, you know, parents in Africa with the same brush, but um you don't think of intimacy isn't necessarily the first thing that sort of comes to mind when it comes to parenting styles. So, so I certainly grew up. So, and I should say though, my mom was a single mom for the most part with seven boys. So, you know, I guess you can, you can look at that and, and um, you don't have to be a rocket scientist, I guess, to realize that she had quite a few things on her plate. Mm, Um, But that nonetheless, it meant that I didn't grow up with, any strong sense of what it means to be um, intimate in a way that's healthy, mm-hmm. in a way that's whole. Mm. Um, I mean, so I had quite clear Christian upbringing and quite a strong Christian upbringing. So I was I was clear around, you know, what what you do or don't do, and what's what's kind of um, biblical or not biblical in terms of relations and how we relate to the opposite sex and how we mm. kind of. And move around in the world in terms of our own sexuality. But in terms of me cultivating an understanding of my own sense of identity as a man, uh, that that was definitely lacking. So mm-hmm. I, I fell into all the kinds of traps, I guess, that a lot of, I guess, teenage boys do. And, you know, I, I look back and think, gosh, wow, I, I was I clearly, if I knew the things I knew now, um, I just think, gosh, how I would have treated a lot of girls that I was with um, um, differently. And um, and we can probably kind of go into that. Mm. But so I guess in in short, yeah, whilst I went to church from a young age, it was interesting when I think about how, you know, Bobby, you obviously the, the stuff that you're doing now and the, and the things you, you, you teach on and the things you talk about around sacred sexuality, it just wasn't. It wasn't talked about in in the way that let's say you're talking about it now mm. and the, the great work that you're doing in your ministry, and you know there were books like I Kiss Gate and Goodbye, yeah. I think that's Joshua Harris, mm-hmm. who I think if I remember correctly I think he's no longer a Christian, but don't quote me on that, but I'm sure that's what I read last, and but that that book I didn't find it helpful in, mm-hmm. in the end because I felt like it was prohibiting a lot of things, but it wasn't really helping me with um uh you know how to view my life and how mm. to how to regulate and handle you know um sexual drives and yeah. and lots of other things um i then later on came across a book boundaries in dating uh john and henry uh, john cloud and henry townsend or henry cloud and john townsend yeah, one yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. um yeah, yeah you, you you know so and that that was quite helpful 
but uh, I think I came in that into that too late because, as I say, as, as a teenage boy, I was let's just say I was um, all all over the place when it yeah. came came to you know self control around my own um, sense of sexuality. In terms of intimacy, um, I'll just say um, I'll just be be short on that and say for me, intimacy is a lot about kind of shared experiences. And again, because my mum wasn't kind of at home a lot of the time and she was at work, we didn't have a lot of shared experiences so mm. this, this was something that I had to kind of learn um over time mm. um I think just going to is it Joshua Harris or Josh Harris yeah I think Josh Joshua Harris yeah but I think yeah. um I think he he's still a Christian but I think he okay. just did a TED talk saying that he perhaps wrote the book um too early and you know that he wrote it from quite a legalistic perspective um, so I think okay. part of his Thanks thing is, yeah, that that actually he he probably knows that he made people to a certain degree, some people um, feel a certain element of condemnation. That's what I've heard. Whereas other people were blessed by the book, um, but then I think it impacted other people quite negatively. Like it just varies, I think. Um, but I I agree that there wasn't really anything around um, for even me when I was a young Christian, there just wasn't enough resources that, like you said, allow you to celebrate and steward your sex drive um, so that you can actually enjoy being a sexual being, but without compromising. Um, and I think it's also crucial what you said. And I think, B, it might be the same for you, like that impact of our culture, because the cultures that we come from um, the parents, like, they serve you and they provide for you. They're not necessarily touchy-feely parents um, mm -hmm. when it comes to our traditional culture. So I don't know, Bianca, if, like Kenny, like, your culture had something to do with um, the lack of intimacy in the home as well, or would you say predominantly, Bianca, that it was because of your relationship with your mum? <clears throat> I think in our home, I think it was much more to do with trauma than anything yeah. else, and and the decision-making and the difficult scenarios that my mum my would find herself in and therefore we would all, as children, find ourselves in. But I definitely think that a lot of those issues that maybe my mum had was stemmed from her experiences um, as a young woman, but also as a child, and because of the lack of intimacy yeah. with her and her, my, my grandma. And so it's definitely a, definitely a cultural thing, um, mm -hmm even with my nan and you know I loved her so much and we were so close and she was so loving but she never it was said I like I love you or mm -hmm. gave hugs and stuff like that and then what I, I when I lived with her one of the times that you know I moved out because it was traumatic at home I lived with her and um, I was on this mission to get her to tell me that she loved me wow. um, I want to get to say the words I know that she did like there's yeah. without a doubt she was like the mother that I needed mm -hmm. throughout my life but um so I went on this mission to go, when I'd say goodbye to her, when I was going out, I'd go, bye, Granny, love you. And then, you know, I could see her being really uncomfortable loads and loads of times. And then one day she wow. just said it back. I was like, okay, I'm going now. See ya. Bye. Love you. She went, okay, bye. Love you. And I was like, and I didn't, I didn't like make Visibly, any reaction. I just yeah. went and I was like, oh, look, I yes. did it. Mission wow. accomplished. Wow. Um, but it, it's just not, a, it's not culturally, yeah. um, you kind of have to know that they care. And it's not something that you, yeah, intimacy um, outwardly necessarily isn't something that you experience. Yeah. Um, and I, I would love to actually just off the back of that with both of you, just talk about the fact that because of your upbringings and because of um, the way that you may have been raised when it comes to intimacy, how has that, and Bianca, you alluded to it when you said that actually you learned uh, more about intimacy probably in your 20s, through relationships and obviously your union with Kenny. Um, so talk to me both about how intimacy has evolved for you both because of your, you know, relationship and your marriage. But then I'd also love to hear how that has then impacted the way you foster intimacy with Ava and Leora because I'm sure there's some things that come naturally to you both when it comes to parenting and intimacy but then I'm sure that there's some things that you probably weren't brought up with but you have to force yourself to um, do with the girls because you don't want them to experience 
intimacy in the way that perhaps you may have or may not have? I say for me, like the biggest thing that has impacted my intimacy, the people's with my intimacy with God. Yeah. Um, like knowing him and knowing that I'm loved regardless of anything I can ever do. And, and, and it's not an intellectual knowing. It's like over yeah. the years getting myself into messes and God always being there, yeah. God always loving me, picking me up, like, and bringing me into deeper connection with him, like feeling him close, having all of those moments where it's just me and him and I'm like, wow, like, you're real, you're here, you're mine, I'm yours. Like, all of those those different moments compounded on each other, just reading a verse and feeling joy or feeling broken um, from um mistakes have I have made and repentance and and God healing me and all just compounded all of those different experiences of what I think has has built and continues to build uh, a confidence um in who I am but just that that relationship that intimate relationship and one that is the most safe one yeah. help has helped me to be able to grow in that with other people and to um, learn how to interact, to trust situations slowly, mm. but increasingly, um, not because I'm trusting other people necessarily, but just because I'm I'm trusting God because he's like, no, go on, take a step. No, mm. go on. Like you can go on, be bold. And, you know, when meeting Kenny and just walking through our situation by doing that with God, it wasn't easy when we were dating, but doing that with God helped me to be able to take those steps and not necessarily back away or mm-hmm. push away or do all those different things, or even in the midst of my mistakes, but just having him lead and guide, him part, be my partner in my journey towards intimacy with other people has mm-hmm. been like the key yeah. for me. Yeah. It is, because um, um, Bianca, yeah. ultimately it's perfect love casts out all fear, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how has that impacted um, your intimacy as well with the girls? Do you yeah. find that you end up fearlessly loving them in ways that you're not used to you don't know how to but you're on this journey of loving well and risking and loving in a way that you may have not necessarily have been loved um, when it comes to the girls yeah I definitely feel like I do like I didn't think I remember when I was pregnant with with Ava and I was like very pregnant and then I went to church and we were just I'm sure I had a few weeks left before she was born and then we're talking to pastors and and then I just started crying. I didn't know why I was crying. I think they were just praying for us, just like, you know, really excited for us. And I started crying. And then I think um, Pastor Julie or someone, she 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 kind of saw it. And she's like, is it that you think you're going to be like your mum? Like, you're wow. not going to be a good parent. You're going to be like your mum. And I didn't, I didn't identify that as the reason. But I think deep down I was afraid that I was going to mess my kids up, isn't it? I wouldn't be able to love them. And... Um, it's funny that the journey I've had with the Lord has helped me to love them in a way that I didn't think I would be able to. Yeah. Um, I'm like affectionate and mm-hmm. yeah, huggy and tell them I love them all the time. And, and, um, and I go, well, do you know that I love you and, and love you guys? And, and they go, yeah, cause you say all the time. <laughs> and, and that's, that brings me joy, you know, mm. but also I do see things from my childhood. As, as soon as my children were born, I, I, I could see my mum. I'm like, I'm I'm a strong person. I can be quite hard. I'm quite, mm. you know, I can be very harsh, and you know, and and so the the journey continues with God, doesn't it? Mm. It continues. Um, I can be um, quite impatient, and I want you to like be better, and mm. I have high standards, mm. and and so. Um, I just have to live in the grace yeah. and and continue journeying with God. And as I continue to do that, I feel like it has a knock-on effect with the girls. But um, they they happy kids, you know? Yeah, so happy. Well, you know, and so um, uh, we're getting there. <laughs> I mean, they're so happy, except for when um, Leora doesn't want to do something. Absolutely, <laughs> exactly. Also, it's great because God gave the girls Kenny, and he is so loving yeah. and and so kind and super understanding and compassionate. With more compassionate with failures and mistakes yeah. and our um, and humanity. Do you know what I mean? So, like, thank God, you yes. know, because I'm always going like, thank God 
they've got him because yeah. you know they couldn't just have me yeah <laughs> yeah we love Kenny um Kenny so uh do you remember what the question was <laughs> yeah so how, how's my kind of intimacy evolved um and and how does that how does that influence how I, we've parented or I've parented. Is that yeah, and, and also how, how yeah, how's your intimacy evolved? But, you know, I guess Bianca's role in that as well. Um, and also, yeah, how you parent the girls hmm. with intimacy. But I, because I remember the last time we spoke about this a few years ago when we were doing like the sacred sexuality stuff, I remember you speaking about Ava, I think it was, where she is quite tactile and that's mm-hmm. not necessarily kind of your vibe um and so i remember you just unpacking that a little bit where it's maybe not your natural bent um but but you love to do it because that's what she needs um so yeah i'd love to also find out a little bit about your relationship with the girls um and how you're intimate towards them perhaps in a way that isn't your natural bent yeah yeah sure happy to go there so um i think in terms of how it's evolved for me as an adult and um when I'm thinking about intimacy I'm thinking about closeness mm-hmm. um and you know the extent as I was saying earlier you know I I'm not whilst I've got a lot of brothers we're not all super close I'd say and and also we haven't been super close with our parents so um when I, I over over the years I've noticed that I've not I've not had friends that I'd describe as super close or family that's close. So that's something that I've, you know, from an intimacy perspective, that's something that I've had to learn. I mean, what does that look like mm. to, um, you know, uh, you and Bianca are really, really close. Mm. Um, and and I've had to learn to sort of cultivate those kinds of relationships. And I think part of that involves learning to be vulnerable with people that you care about learning what that means to be vulnerable and learning what it means to open up and let people in and share and whatnot and I think that's definitely a, a journey that I'm still on Part, partly because I do enjoy my own space and I do I could you know a holiday for me would be sitting down reading and writing and just you know that would be an amazing holiday for me wow. on my own um and I I can you know you know me Bobby I can spend a lot of time with other people and mm-hmm. socialize that, that that's cool but um I think because of that yeah the intimacy thing um uh I, I began to learn what it meant beyond you know romantic intimacy and, yeah. and sexual intimacy or not. and then in terms of how Bianca's helped that I think the you know the analogy for relationships often is around you know the hedgehog analogy where sometimes you can you can curl up in a ball to, if you're feeling a bit unsafe or sometimes if you're both feeling quite upset you can you can be quite prickly towards each other so it's kind of hard so this is kind of push pull relationship and what being with Bianca has taught me is to you know learn how to receive Bianca's kind of approach in love so Bianca what might co- correct or want to want to correct or want to perfect or want to change or give advice which on the surface for me in terms of how my personality receives it um I wouldn't ordinarily have seen it as love but Mm. I've I've had to learn how to still draw close Mm -hmm. um recognizing the way in which Bianca shares is coming from a place of love and it's meant in love and those kinds of things so so I think yeah on that side I've learned intimacy can still be intimacy even if it doesn't feel like it you know um even if it feels um a little bit prickly or it even feels a little bit uncomfortable and there's there's probably a lot in there which because of time I won't try and drill down on but um that's something that Bianca's helped me to learn and I'm still learning I think Um, Kenny just like to jump in on that I think it's like um being able to like choose connection as well isn't it like because when we maybe have those scenarios where we might hurt each other I think our natural tendency um is to disconnect but when when the when the goal is intimacy then you you choose to connect even if there's fear there and even if there's pain there um and you learn how to receive someone's love language even if it might not have felt like love, but because the goal is connection. And I think what you're sharing is that beautiful capacity to be able to choose connection in every situation, 
even though you yeah. might the you know the encounter may not make you want to connect but you still choose to connect yeah absolutely and I certainly don't choose connection in every it's every situation myself um personally but you're absolutely right I think there's a tendency as human beings to attack or withdraw mm-hmm. and life becomes um a dance between I'm either going to attack or withdraw yeah. and and there is a place within that where like you say um it's painful and there's pain involved when you draw near. Um, but on the other side of that, yeah, I, I find that whenever we've had to push through in that way, you, you become closer as a yeah. result. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a benefit to that and there's a blessing in that yeah. because um, it's that pain, it's that vulnerability, it's that openness and sharing. And that, as you say, that desire to connect that can um, uh, yields dividends in your relationship and yeah. brings you closer. Yeah. So good, um, and then and then I guess with the children. So you're you're right with with Ava. She, when we were younger, she would, you know, I'd 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 lie down next to her bed, and she'd hold my ear through the, <laughs> the bars of the cot bed, and if I moved, she'd be up in a flash and just start crying. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'd I'd like tiptoe out like a ninja out of the room, just stepping on eggshells just to not wake her up. But I'd 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 like quickly fail, and I have to lie back on the floor and put my head down so she could hold my ear and then as she grew up yeah she would often like she's quite tactile as you said wants to touch and so whilst I, I'm quite a tactile person um she she would hold to hold my ear and do things that would just like irritate my skin a little bit um and and you're right I've learned that you know that's what she needs so, um and so often I would tell myself okay look just give her give her a few minutes of of this uh, give her a few minutes of your time. Um, give her a few minutes of your of your skin because that's, that's <laughs> helpful for her. Um, but the, the thing that I'm guess struck with the most when I think about intimacy in our children is is that piece of our own closeness and like what does it look like to uh, you know I want because I didn't hear a lot of a bit like Bianca was saying I didn't hear a lot of those kind of words of affirmation when I was growing up. We both are quite um, effusive with our words in terms of speaking love and life over them. Mm. But also I think of like moments, moments of intimacy in the families when we're around the dinner table and the girls and Leora is doing her thing where she's just being the kind of entertainer around the table. But they feel a sense of freedom with us. They feel a sense of freedom where they can sort of say things and share and talk openly. And I feel like those are moments of intimacy yeah. where they can challenge, where they can ask questions and they know they can, you know, there's such freedom. They can they can push the boat a little bit and then obviously we have to put the boundaries in at some point. But I think of intimacy with the girls in terms of creating an atmosphere that is psychologically safe for them yeah. and creating an atmosphere where um, they feel a sense of freedom with us and a sense of trust and um so you're right I think we probably go to a bit of an extreme to create that atmosphere because we both didn't really get that when we were younger exactly yeah and I think like part of being fully known is the liberty to be transparent you know that you can't be fully known unless you can be transparent and the fact that the girls are being raised with permission to be transparent is just gonna make them so confident and so sure of who they are as they grow up um yeah, yeah but, and it's, it's the nakedness isn't it it's yeah the, it's, it's the adneve, it's the it's the nakedness that um are, are they do they feel that if they're being unclothed um that um that they won't be you know we won't come down on like them on a ton of bricks or do they feel completely safe yeah. and as you say known and that is um a, such a delicate and sensitive environment that I think as parents we we need to create and that's that's love isn't it um, it isn't always easy because um I can think of a scenario well just a time when um for one of our daughters like it they really want to be liked and to be loved by all the by everyone that they really really hard for them to when they've done something wrong or when they you know they've made a mistake to fess up about it mm-hmm. and rather just cover themselves and lie and so I know for me mm. that's really really hard and so we've, we've had to go on this process of going and just for me drumming into them like you know um the ugly truth is better than a beautiful lie mm-hmm. and and just like working with them just to be able to be vulnerable in their mistakes yeah. and also to know that there may be a consequence to it yeah. because so that's parenting yeah. and we're trying helping them to understand that our job is to 
um, help you and come alongside you and help you to grow to a place where you can make great decisions when you're older and you can stand on your own two feet and you and you have integrity like the seeds of integrity and all those different yeah. things in your heart that you can go and grow that um as you get older yeah so there is a responsibility for us to be parents but also to help you to be honest and have yeah. integrity and mm. to feel safe enough to tell the truth even when you know that it won't be the consequence won't, won't necessarily be what you'd like. It yeah. won't, you know, so that whole unclothing and that um, intimacy piece, it's not always like, you know, lying on beds of clouds and you yeah. know, it's, all, it's all fluffy. It's actually like intimacy in the hard places Totally. Too. And it is ultimately, it's breaking off shame as well. And it's yeah, like, we feel shame in, you know, life brings us so much shame in so many areas and so it is about having that freedom. And in order to have freedom, we have to have shame broken off. And the fact that you and Kenny are creating an environment in your home where actually there is a shame-free zone, you know. So if the girls do do something that, yes, they may have to um, come clean about, but they know that there's no shame in it, that they can boldly be honest because they're not going to be rejected. They're not going to be condemned for feeling that way or for confessing what they were feeling. Um, mm. So the fact that you're creating a shame-free environment is so crucial. Don't get it right in the time, though, but, um, you know, we're trying. Oh, yeah, certainly. I yeah. mean, guys, all of us, we're so fragile and fractured. I mean, what can we say? Um, Bianca, you mentioned when you were sharing earlier on about you and Kenny dating and how it was a little bit tricky at times. Obviously, I was there, guys, you know. Like, I obviously remember when you both got together and I remember you hadn't told me that you two were together, but we were at a prayer meeting because we're also super spiritual. And um, we finished the we finished the prayer meeting at one Mayfair, and we were all just chatting as we were, you know, leaving the building. And then all of a sudden, I noticed Kenny begin to caress Bianca's hand, and um, <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, they're sitting in the camp. Um, not really. I was just like, oi, oi, what is going on here then? Mm -hmm. But you two hadn't said anything to me. And I can't remember if you ended up sharing it with me or if I asked. I probably didn't ask. But anyway, I then found out that you two were dating. So tell us how you two got together. So, yeah, we met at church, basically. We were both new to, we all went to the same church um, with, with Bobby CPF. And um, I had been going there for a while, for a few weeks, and um, this particular Sunday, I um, I was like, oh, I'm a bit tired, don't know if I'm going to go in, but I should be going in, and I decided to go in, and also, because I'm like, slightly awkward, introverted human, um, <laughs> I had to tell myself, and also, yeah, like, you know, when people hang out afterwards, just like, you know, hang, don't just shoot off, um, so I got to church, and um there was this uh, tall drink of water, you know, playing the keyboard. And I was like, oh, he's nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then after church, um, a few people were going to Starbucks just to kind of go for coffee. And I was like, go, Bianca. Don't be antisocial. And Kenny happened to go. This guy who was playing the keyboard happened to go too. And um, he was chatting to some other people in Starbucks. Um, and I was chatting to a group in Starbucks. And then I was like, in my conversation, but listening to his conversation. And inside I was going, Sneakers, that's what I want. Someone like that. Wow. Um, and then he came over. He came over to us because he knew the two people that I was speaking to and he knew um, their mutual friends. I didn't, obviously, Kenny and I didn't know each other. And then we were just chatting and and he said, um, they were asking each other, you know, questions that we asked each other. And someone said, I'll get all the money in the world, what will you do? And Kenny, everyone said different things. And Kenny said, Oh, I would build like a music store in Nigeria or somewhere like that so that, that kids who don't have access to music or instruments would be able to have that. And like inside, I, again, I was like, Lord, just a woman like that, you know? Just come on, come on for me. Um, but um, I think we were feeling mutually attracted to, to each other. And basically, within like three weeks, literally, we were going out. It happened very quickly. Too quick, really, in hindsight. We should have been friends for a while, but we started going out 
almost been into me. And you know, married two years later. Now I'm cutting a long story short because it was a very hard dating yeah. experience. But um it was quick actually from meeting to marriage was just under two years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which for people listening, you know, as as B was saying, you know, I think that the, we often say the extent to which you can control the pace of a relationship, I think will sometimes determine the, the kind of longevity of yeah. that relationship and a successful relationship. And what I mean is, you know, if you rush in quite quickly um, and you're unable to control the pace at the start, I think that can sometimes, sometimes not always, have um, just quite negative effects on, on the relationship. Um, well, it can make it difficult. And, and yeah. it pays us in time. It means, like, like I think it's unconsidered. You're not, you're not moving forward in a considered way. Because you could do that and the pace, like, you actually, you know, get very serious and maybe you get married quite quickly, but it's, it wasn't actually hasty yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. I think knowing what haste looks like between you two and are you taking a considered approach yeah. to the things that happen. Yeah, yeah because you've got... Um, there's a control element in terms of, you know, are you both, as Bianca was saying, are you just kind of going into it really nearly and not really um, practicing discipline in your relationship? Um, and if, you, if you're unable to practice discipline at the start, then what's to say you're going to be able to do that when you're, in, when you're married and having to, I don't know, save money and having to, you know, do things, you know, that are for the benefit of the yeah. children so no you're right there's some people that get married after sort of two three weeks and maybe they're at matures mm-hmm. well yeah i listened to someone who said um they got married after um i think Candace Owen, she, she got married after two and a half weeks um yeah to um uh, forget his name died enough moxie um so uh so yeah so anyway i'm not suggesting people um get married after two and a half weeks i'm just saying there are some people who i guess maybe at a mature point in their lives yeah. and they people you know clearly know what they want but I think as a general rule I think that um thinking about the pace is important yeah and I also think premarital counseling is super important and so I think if you you know you you could you could feel from the Lord that yes this is God and actually sometimes even if it is God you still need time and sometimes if it is God you don't need time but I think it's important if you aren't necessarily emotionally mature or you don't necessarily have a certain level of maturity in place then I think pre-marital counselling I think is really something you have to seriously consider you know whether you're getting married um, after two weeks or whether you're getting married after two years but if you are going to get married quickly then I think there's more need for pre-marital counselling. Yeah you're absolutely right you know because and we when we were working with one couple you know, uh, we felt that they were going too too fast, and I mean, they didn't get married after a couple of weeks, but certainly we felt that they were going too fast. And and the challenges they came into after they got married were quite severe, and we both felt quite sorry for the for them because um, you know we saw we saw it coming, and yeah. so the question is, well, why why rush? And, you know, people got yeah. to think about what, what's chasing them. Um, yeah, and I also think like if you're going too fast, um, you're, if you're going at a speed where you can't address the red flags yeah. that are coming, you can't even see them, um, then it's too fast. Yes, definitely. You know, like things will come up, like things, little little moments, things that someone says, like certain situations, how they're handled, things will happen. And if you are, are going at a pace where you're just like zooming past yeah. all of these red flags. Then that's too fast for you guys. Yeah. And as soon as you say, and as we know, right, as soon as you say, um, you know, I do, and you, you've made those vows, those, you know, in terms of how, at least how the institution of marriage um, was uh, intended, is, is the, those vows are for life, yeah, right? Exactly. So, you know, why, why not go through, you know, years, months, or however long of us, Bianca, saying, addressing those red flags? Yeah. Um, so that you can have life and, and enjoyment on the other side, either married or, or not, because maybe that's not the best thing. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, let's talk about how it was for you both. Um, you guys were dating. Um, I'm going to remind you of an experience, Kenny, and tell me if this is <laughs> uncomfortable for you. Uh, <laughs> I'm, 
You probably know which one I'm going to speak about. Me, and I'm sure it probably is embarrassing, but it's fine. Go ahead. (laughs) But do you two remember um, we were sitting in that Thai restaurant? This is when you two were dating. I think it was actually around the time that you two were about to get engaged. And we'd gone to that Thai restaurant and we were just chatting and, you know, eating our food. And then all of a sudden, Kenny, you said to me, so Bobby, what do you think about making love to worship music? Do you remember that? Did I ask you that? Yes, I remember oh that. Gosh. Oh, you've come oh such a long way from those millions of times. Wow, did I ask you that? But the reason what I want to... Just out of the blue, what I asked you that. Yeah, context? it's like we weren't... I don't even... I literally think it was just a Kennyism, like the way you dropped it. I'm sure it's like, um, what do you think about making love? Da, da, da. Pass me a dumpling. You know, like it was just, <laughs> just typical Kenny. Um, but the reason, the reason I bring that up is, um, firstly, it was hilarious. Um, but two reasons I want to address that. Like, firstly, for me personally, I hadn't really started, you know, teaching on this. I hadn't even really been on my own journey really in terms of recognizing what true intimacy was and how biblical sexuality is actually a reflection of our relationship with Jesus um and so when you make that statement even though that statement isn't something that I'd ever really thought about but I knew that it wasn't wrong I knew that when you said you know when you asked me that question in my mind and I'm sure I responded in this way it was like "Mm, yeah why not But the more that I've been on this journey and the more that I've now realized and understood and celebrated the beauty of biblical sexuality, I'm totally like, yes, 100%. Like worship music (laughs) should totally be on if you're making love, but not all the time, obviously, but there's nothing wrong with it. And actually, there's a beautiful thing about that question. Um, But the reason I want to talk about that is because that was obviously when you and Bianca were dating and talk to me about how it was for you dating her and navigating through your sexuality. Um, were you thinking about sex quite a lot? How were you stewarding your sex drive when you were dating? And then Bianca, definitely I want to hear from both of you about how you navigated through your sexuality as a couple who obviously, you know, had to steward sexual purity did you fall? How did that work out for you both? Yeah, good question. So I think, and looking back through the lens of time, you have to keep me honest, babes, because I I, I could miss things. Um, I think the, the I mean, I'm still getting over the fact that I asked you that question. <laughs> probably people, probably people are still thinking, you know, do you make love to worship? And I'm, yeah. We never done it, have we, Kenny? And yeah, the answer is... Yeah, I but sorry, can I just jump in? Sorry, Kenny. I also just want yeah. to say is that I actually think, um, you know, how sold out to Jesus and how someone can love Jesus so, you know, with the sweetest abandon, I actually think that's quite a turn on. So I... You know, I would. I yeah. wouldn't even like. Why not? You know, like I actually yeah, think. No, absolutely. I mean, do you know what I mean? Not, no, it wasn't. It's just not not occurred to us too. Yeah, I think. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, let's we we can go there. Let, let me. Um, so I would pick up on um, Bobby's question. But you're right, babes. I think it hasn't occurred to us. Um, and there are probably some other think factors in there as well. Um, I think it. So yeah. Sexual drive was that how how often was I thinking about sex and in terms of when we were, were dating? I think what what I'm sat with here right now at the moment when I think back was we were often like so I would hold I think we'd hold hands quite a bit and I'd be quite touchy feely when we were dating and the the struggle we well certainly I had was that even a small kiss or a little kind of you know caress of the the neck whatever would be a turn on for me and so um it just meant that it made you know being out and going out for your meals and late at night it just made it quite challenging particularly towards the end of the night when you're tired and so your your willpower goes down as well um and I think I mean Bianca might remember it better than I do but we we discussed at the beginning you know what kind of boundaries we're going to put in around kissing you know, um, how long, we, you know, is it just a peck? You know, what 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 does that look like? Um, but as the guy, um, certainly for me, I wanted to be able to hold hands and whatnot, but that was challenging. 
um, because it, it just turned me on and it meant that I wanted to then go go further. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think one of the things, there were a couple of moments where we, you know, either we were in a friend's house or, you know, or we just had or in Bianca's house or, or we just had some moments of privacy where we put, went too far. Mm. And I, we didn't, we didn't have, you know, we didn't ever have full on sex or anything like that. Um, but actually in some ways that's, you know, it's not so much about that. It's, it's more around, you know, we set our own boundaries, but we were constantly moving those boundaries. Mm. And, and I remember someone saying to us that, you know, however far you go, that always sets the plumb line and you'll always go up, you'll always go that, that far. And if you, if, you, if you go a bit further, you'll always come back up to that point. And yeah. so um, we certainly pushed the boundaries more than we would have wanted to push the boundaries. Um, and I think, you know, people listening might be thinking, okay, well, what's the kind of impact of that? And what what's the kind of so what? And I think obviously there's a so what in terms of, you know, honouring each other and honouring our kind of vows for each other before God and, and our, our relationship and not grieving the Holy Spirit, there's, there's that. Mm. Um, and, and then there's also, you know, the extent to which you can have that discipline when you're dating yeah. says a lot about the discipline you'll be able to have totally. when you're together. And, mm. and probably people don't realise the transferability of these things yeah. to, you know, saving money or to, um, you know, to things that are important when you're married and the discipline needed for that. And mm-hmm. I think there's a connection between um, discipline in terms of your body and how you yeah. steward your, your, your sex drive and things like that, and just discipline in life um, more, more generally. So we're going to have to leave it there because that is the end of part one. And I actually can't wait for us to be back again next week as we listen to the second half of this conversation with Bianca and Kenny, which I hope you have really, really enjoyed. Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. All related social media handles and links can be found in the notes section. If you did enjoy today's episode, then please do feel free to share it and do subscribe to the podcast if you want to know when a new episode is heading your way. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do that via Instagram or Facebook, or you can head over to livinginlight.co.uk. I cannot wait to be with you guys again, and thank you so much for listening to the Living in Light podcast. i